Welcome to the T2 Hubcast. Join T2 and guests as they discuss all things personal and professional development. The T2 Hubcast, brought to you by the People Performance People. Welcome to the T2 Hubcast with me, Spencer Locker. And me, Tracy Roberts. Good morning, Tracy. You're what? You're right. I'm really good because I've got a full belly. You've got a full belly? Yeah. Had a bit of brekkie, didn't we? Oh, brekkie, this brekkie yeah. Yeah I'm, yeah, I'm so glad you clarified that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah so full, full, breakfast, full <laughs> breakfast. Yeah, we're, uh, we're, you know what? I'm, I'm a little bit, because I was getting a bit excited about doing this podcast. Yeah. Because this morning uh, we had a brief chat and what you we were talking about, which, which is what we're going to be podcasting yeah. about, really sort of caught my interest. And I was Ooh. sort of, I, I, I actually threw my breakfast down my neck. <laughs> too quick um, and didn't really sort of take time to really appreciate it because I wanted to get in here and talk to you about these um, toxic five because oh, yeah. because what we're talking about is is this toxic five and, and I don't want to go into any more detail than that because I do believe that it'll give the game away and it'll lose impact so <laughs> I'm not going to say anymore yeah. so can you share with us yeah me and the and the nice listener what we're talking about this morning please well, we're going back to a place close to our heart here at T2, right? Because yeah. a lot of the work we do with um, uh, teams and sometimes executive teams, um, sometimes lower level teams is all about, well, Lencioni's work, right? So we go back to the principles of uh, fundamentals of trust and, and all those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and toxicity comes up a lot, doesn't it? Because yeah. we do a lot of work on psychological safety. Uh, obviously, we get a lot of narrative in the room, don't we? Sometimes when we start these conversations about stuff that people have observed, we've certainly got experience of that for sure. Yeah. Um, and the reason that this kind of conversation came about is obviously it's something that's very, like I say, close to our hearts and we're all kind of looking at the data and the research that comes out. Um, and some research that came out the first part of it came out in January and the second part came out sort of March, April. Hmm. Um, it was quite, it came out from MIT Sloan um, and it's uh, Donald and Charles Sull. And if you guys want to look it up, by the way, you can readily find it on Google. Um, they, they run a, co- uh, a company called CultureX. Yeah. And they did a whole lot of uh, research over a period of time, like linking back mainly to like round about the time where COVID hit um, and up until 2021 where they class it as um a, a sort of period of the great resignation so Ooh. if you type the great resignation into google you'll get all sorts of stuff comes up yeah and for those of you who are um employers in mm. the room you might resonate with that um and, and really a lot of the research there's, there's kind of two prongs to it one part of it is why people's decisions were made during that period what changed why people decided to jump ship and and move jobs and then the follow-up stuff was all about the reasons and the real deep-rooted stuff that was in there and what they did was they they took all this data together there was like 128 topics in total that they kind of pulled um and and they kind of analyzed about 34 million online kind of profiles to identify people that had recently left in that period Um, and this allowed them to kind of estimate roughly um the company attrition rates in what they class the culture 500 which was interesting so this is like a real big sample of large um, and for-profit companies mainly that employ nearly um a quarter of private sector workforce so this is a big chunk of people right big yeah so so the data that they're getting from this is really what we're going to talk about today Hmm. because what they've done is taken these two pieces of information and almost put them together like a jigsaw and said right listen you know we believe that toxic culture is driving this great resignation 
Yeah. Because a lot of people are making assumptions about why people are jumping ship. Mm. So the reality is, what can we do about it? And I think that's the most important thing is, you know, are we actually sitting back and looking at our attrition rates as a business and thinking, well, why are we burning people? Why are they leaving early? Um, what's that saying? You need to stop pulling people out the stream. You need to run up the stream and find out why they're falling in in the first place. I think that's it. You know what? That's the first time I've heard that, but I like it. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah. That, so that's where I thought we'd go today, <clears throat> you know, because we, we can have a good conversation about this because we experience a lot of stuff that comes out in the room, right? Yeah. Sometimes it can be a bit uncomfortable, can't it? You know, where we're working with teams. Certainly, but particularly when we're sort of trying to really sort of empathise yeah. uh, and we've got generally we're sort of prepped for working with sort of middle managers by yeah. the strategic leadership team, the yeah. senior leadership yeah. team, and they'll say, everything's great, everything's great. We've got <laughs> lovely people and they're really happy. And then we actually meet the lovely people and discover they're not quite as happy as yeah. as, as they seem to think or, or they're being told, we're, we're being told. Yeah. Uh, and it's usually... <laughs> Yes. because of senior leadership team members or or yeah organizational stuff definitely yeah. well we, we the interesting thing is because of the way we go in it um you know living by the bible of uh, the lencioni pyramid which we do mm. you know we generally go into work on trust and vulnerability as the solid foundation and and it's not till we dig deeper into that that we realize psychological safety is maybe a little bit out of check mm -hmm. um and there's, there's sometimes there's <clears> even a bit of a warped kind of sense of you know this team's one way this team's another way and one thing it does bother me is is that you know if you look at culture as a whole people assume that you can go that company's got a brilliant culture it's fantastic the, the truth is that even in a company that's generally fantastic, they're still going to have pockets of toxicity, right? Mm. It can be one particular team. Mm. It can be one particular person. So I think it's it's probably important to realize that you can't stamp it all out completely. What mm. you can do is try and control elements of it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's important because I think a lot of people say, well, they, they look at it the other way around sometimes and say, well, it's like climbing a mountain. How do I deal with that now? And then other people will say, well, our teams are all great. It's just this one team here. And therefore, what's the point? You know, we're kind of missing that jigsaw piece. So it's it's really difficult. Um, mm. And then when we edge up a little bit further, it kind of comes into this because we, we start that conversation around psychological safety. But then when we start to ease into conflict a little bit, that's mm. when it gets a little bit tetchy, right? Because I always talk about the conflict continuum. You've got zero at this end where mm. there's total artificial harmony and everyone's sort of going, smile and wave, boys, smile mm. and wave. Yeah. And then up at the other end is your 10 where, you know, people are actively going in that meeting looking for a fight. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they're picking fights you know and the reality is that when we pull most people where do they put themselves probably about a two or a three i would say yeah like maybe even lower um and and for that reason alone we know that there's underbelly stuff going on and people are not even in a situation where we think we've got good psychological safety they're still a bit hesitant to kind of say the real big picture what's really bothering them and what this research has turned out is actually, it's sometimes not the stuff you think it is. Hmm. And a lot of it you can control. Yes, and it's the controllables that we, we like to focus on, obviously, Absolutely. because don't focus on things that you can't control because you can't control them. No. It's a waste of time. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, and, and right. I, yeah, there's a lot to be said about that for sure. So it, it'd be good for us just to chat through what 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 the outcomes of this kind of research is. And then you guys who are listening in now, you know, you feel free to go look this information up and deep dive it because there's so much stuff in there. We could be on here for like three hours. <laughs> um, but we're just going to give you a bit of a summary, really, and, and, and sort of hopefully deep dive some of the interesting bits, the highlights. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I thought we, we, we ought to do a podcast on it because yeah. I think that, some of the details that you were you were throwing at me earlier on, I just thought, wow, even just one of those that we wanted to explore would be fascinating. But yeah. there was loads of stuff. So go on then, tell uh, fill us in, metaphorically well, speaking. You know, I think if we strip it back to the, the start, which is where we're talking about this great resignation, mm. you know, I've certainly been party to loads of conversations about this over the last sort of six to 12 months. Um, and actually, I was in a position before I came to T2 where, you know, we were having trouble getting good talent because there was there's a whole multitude of reasons why businesses lost people during covid right mm -hmm. and there's a whole lot of reasons why people jump ship into different even different sectors right um so trying to grab people back into a sector was my problem because they'd all left we you know i was originally in the leisure sector and for us a lot of people you know it was canned completely canned so they had to go find an alternative and then trying to convince them to come back well one or two things happened there. They either went, well, no, I've made the change and I'm actually a lot happier. It pushed me to do something I wanted to do mm -hmm. and I've been brave. Or they were like, well, what are you going to give me? Because now I'm out of that situation. I see the stuff I didn't like and I'm yeah. less likely to put up with it now. Um, so what the reports kind of suggested was that, you know, 2021 really was the start of the great resignation. People started to kind of make, you know, changes to their working patterns, their careers, stuff like that, mainly due to like, economic and a lot of psychological aspects i mean i suppose there's a lot of soul searching went on over covid wouldn't you say certainly i think uh, i think a lot of people had an opportunity where they hadn't had an opportunity before and sometimes um if they're in a busy situation um they don't analyze too deeply sometimes being honest with themselves they yeah. probably wouldn't like what they came up with so yeah yeah, yeah, yeah i definitely felt like that i think i had a bit of a period where you know if we go back to what we teach on our day ones you know our three primal instincts you yeah. know survival you know yeah okay well we'll talk about the second one but we'll talk about <laughs> the third one purpose yeah um you know for me that's where it landed for a lot of people and i always say that i say you know when you feel like you've lost your purpose a little bit i feel that's how you lost your way so i think people did then take time to reflect and as a consequence there was a report that said that there was more than about 48% of total employees that were, were polled at that time were actually considering leaving their jobs, um, as well as all these people that were mass exodus going out anyway. So that tells us that, you know, there's a lot of problems that sort of happened during that COVID period. And it was down to things like poor responses to COVID. So the way the companies treated people. So I've heard, um, I've had my own experiences of that. And I've heard from a lot of people in our, you know, in our meeting rooms around, um, how a company tried to deal with that situation, but actually didn't make, you know, the people that worked there feel very comfortable, very mm. safe. And um, they felt very disrespected. Some people were gotten rid of pretty unfairly as well, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, very knee jerk, I think is probably um, what I'd say. And then sometimes it was down to the fallout after it. So they were okay during it, but they had this tentative feeling all the way through, you know, is it going to be me next? What's going to be the change? Um, and as a consequence, went into that that period of consideration. Like, mm -hmm. You know, is this for me? Is it worth it? Um, I would also say, from what we hear, people that were working from heart uh, from home during that period, a lot of them worked harder than ever. Mm -hmm. You know, would you would you kind of ref 
reflect on that a little bit from what you've heard? You well, f- from what I've heard, I mean, if we if we sort of look at it in its entirety, uh, I think that before COVID, uh, there was a lot of uh, employers were felt quite reticent about yeah. home homework, um, uh, people yeah. working from home. Mistrustful. And that's, yeah, yeah, I think it's a lot of it was based on um, a lack of trust. Mm-hmm. Um, we could spend half an hour talking about that by itself. Where did that yeah. come from and why? Yeah. However, um, homeworking was a thing, mm-hmm. but not a massive thing. And again, there was a lot of resistance there through a lack of trust. Mm. COVID happened where their hand was forced. Yeah. So people had to work from home. And I think that when people had to work from home, a lot of employers realized that actually my mistrust was unfounded because Mm. people at home really picked up the mantle and sort of went, right, I'm being trusted here. I I am a responsible. I I am accountable. Um, And because of varying things so like um the lack of a commute yeah for, for one thing yeah. um uh, the the lack of, of the structure of the day and when i say the lack of the structure of the day i mean it's like well lunchtime is 12 till 1 when you're yeah. in the office <laughs> when you're not in the office you know what you Take could be eating you chicken it. chicken and bacon sandwiches at half past nine in the morning <laughs> you know <laughs> talking from experience there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah yeah so um and and there's a lot of people i think who actually went and started working from home and realised because beforehand they were a little bit mm, I don't know whether I, I could I, yeah. I don't know they were good and when they actually went there it went actually I'm a lot more productive because mm-hmm. of a lack of um, a lack of distractions or a lack of what whatever it looks like yeah so now we've got to the point where uh, people are being productive mm. and people are working from home mm-hmm. but now. We don't have to work from home so much. Uh, it's not being it's not being um, promoted by the government. Yeah. So now the bosses. It's another shift. Yeah. So now yeah. the bosses and the leaders are sort of going right. Okay. So you've had your fun. <laughs> <laughs> you've been working from home. Now we want control back again. So now we're finding that people another don't, change. Yeah, yeah. Don't want to go back to the office so much. But don't get me wrong. It's not everybody. Yeah. Some people yeah. like going back to the office. They like the socialising, mm. but. The other people who struggled in the office, but you know mm. what, accepted it as this is the yeah. way it is, have now had a taste of what really suits them. And yeah, and, how is yeah. it going to work now? Because, yeah. and I think you, you, you're spot on. And I think the biggest thing for me during that period is that it was something that we've you know spoken a lot to to people we've been working with. Is you know we just flip reverse. Some companies were really well organised and infrastructure was there to support people at home. Um, they understood the differences between um you know you know the experience of working at home and the experience of working in the office the people who got it right managed that well and what they did was manage to manage the distance and what i mean is the social distance the physical distance you know the learning distance all those things and and understand that the people at home and the people at work in the actual office they have to have the same experience right and that will add to culture as well because you know people who were working from home reported things like they felt like you know the you know the 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 black sheep so to speak of the business because they were not getting the same experience if you like yeah um and then people in the office were saying well i don't get the flexibility so there was a little bit of an element of that going on right um but what's quite interesting about that is that you know as well as all the kind of uh, cultural stuff um you know if we talk about importance relative to compensation in the business or like you know things nice things that you can get from a business you know the way they look after you some stuff that came up on top of that above that 
you know, it was things like remote working arrangements so that they have the flexibility and at the right standard. Um, social events came up really high, you know, mm. which I think I was quite surprised by because mm. you do think, is it is that subjective to that business that, you know, people might enjoy? But that doesn't just mean nights out and, um, you know, eating and drinking. It sometimes just means away days and stuff mm. that, you know, the company subsidizes so people can be together. Um, and then the other thing, this was interesting, was predictive schedules. People reported, you know, that that gave them, you know, a higher chance of success and, you know, made them feel better at work because they can plan their lives. Mm. So even if they're remote or, you know, they're working in the office, the fact that they can plan their life, you know, accordingly made them feel better. And I can relate to that because mm. we are a little bit um, sometimes flying by the seat of our pants, <laughs> but yeah. it's predictive in most cases. We mm. know what's coming so we can plan for it. Mm. Um, and what that does tell us is that people want to do a good job, but they just want to be able to plan around it, right? So, you know, it's quite interesting to see that, you know, there's a bit of reflection on that really from companies, you know, if they are quite organized and they give people the autonomy, but the organizational aspect, that's going to help with that, that cultural thing. Um, because, you know, it's that work-life balance, isn't it? That's going to affect the cultural stuff as well. And that's really important to most people. So looking at all these things that people are reporting back, pinpointing these things can probably help you focus quite quickly on avoiding employees being disengaged, even quitting, you know, reducing our attrition rates. Um, because what we want to do is is keep people and we want to nurture them. And we all know what a turnaround does for a business. It's mm. the upheaval, it's the cost, you know, it's it's just that, that lack of person sort of element, isn't it? You know, keeping the kind of flow going in the business, the people in the know and, and keeping them nurtured. Um, so yeah, so I thought it was quite an interesting piece to read because those things there, just those things I pointed out there, I didn't expect that. The other thing that came out was that companies that earmark themselves as innovative um, had much higher attrition rates. Really? Yeah. So if you think about businesses that really kind of that's their big USP and they're fast moving and they're having to, you know, change direction and, and just move at a really increased rate. Well, what you'll find in a business like that is everyone's excited by it. But when they get there, the reality is more hours and mm. um, more pace and mm. um, more stress more likely to have burnout, less work-life balance. Mm. So actually the tenure is shorter mm. because after a while they think, right, okay, this, you know, although I love this product or this innovation, for me, it's affecting my life. Mm. And as a consequence, some of these to toxic traits start to come out, don't right. they? Right, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think, yes, for me, I think that's really interesting because you can, there's a direct link between toxic behavior and traits and also physical and mental health, isn't mm. there? Yeah, yeah, certainly. When we start considering um, the the nobody in best self has toxic traits. No, this is this is the thing. It's like when 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 we start talking about our unconscious motivators, nobody in best self micromanages. Uh, no matter how much you try and justify it, and you might sort of say, "Well, I'm not actually micromanaging. I'm 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 encouraging from a distance, <laughs> or, or, or whatever." Encouraging from a distance, I like that. That's really um, but good. but yeah, this this is the thing: is when we start talking about toxic traits, this is gonna this is gonna massively impact people's um, mental and emotional well being. Absolutely. And when people are more aware of that, and when people have had the time recently to analyze that and sort of come to yeah. terms with it and sort of go, right, okay, so what does a good me in a good place look like? Mm -hmm. And what does a bad me in a bad place look like? Yeah, for sure. Right, where I am at the moment looks more like that than that. Yeah. 
but it's that reflection piece. And I think if you're working in a fast paced environment, you, you don't always have that time no. to think like that, do yeah. you? And then, and, and be kind of take yourself on the outside and to go, right, what do I need to do? What's missing? Mm. Um, the report actually states that, um, you know, toxic behavior can actually increase chances of really major diseases um from something like 35 percent up to 55 percent crikey that's a, that's didn't a think hell it of a, bad. but think about it i think <clears> if you think of what you, you know what your body does under stress in most cases yeah um you know all the associated stuff i mean we know well you've got to look after yourself i always again explain it like a jigsaw puzzle like if you feel like there's a piece missing like if you're not getting enough movement you're not mm. getting enough nutrition sometimes your picture doesn't quite feel complete that's how i explain yeah, it yeah. um a couple of weeks on the road you know when you're out of habit we can probably ref, you know reflect on that can't we yeah your food's not quite the same your exercise you know mm. and i think for most people if you add that up and, and then put that into a significant amount of time six months 12 months you know four to eight months whatever it might be mm. that's going to put a lot of pressure on the body isn't it yeah um so for that reason alone i think that you know it's important for us as you know both employees to kind of understand that effect on us but also employers to think well we want to stop this churn we want to mm. look after people we want to get in there early don't we we want to mm. say right what is it that's making these people decide just to change direction completely or you know what's going to make them leave us and go to another business and mm. it's normally linked to you know the external factors what you see of that company's culture mm. right so those with good cultures good glass door reviews always mm. a good place to look yeah. at you know it, and, and they're a good reflection generally because they're very honest um, reports of that company's culture and, and obviously what it stands for um and you know in terms of a good culture what you do see is that there is major differences between even companies in the same kind of business so one example that they give is that you know the within one particular kind of environment, there was workers that were 3.8 times more likely to leave Tesla than Ford. Okay, and I thought that was quite incredible. Yeah. And what that tells me is that when you go and look at those businesses and what they're actually putting out there, the mm. reality of being in that business, because mm. we all know that the shop front's not always, yeah. you know, a reflection of what's behind the scenes, yeah, right? Yeah, you know, that, yeah. that can just be a shop front, literally. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the, the report really digs into that, which is really interesting. It actually looks at lots of different industries, which I found fascinating. And you can have a look on there and see whatever industry you're in, if you're listening in now, what that looks like. Mm. You're probably feeling it anyway, right? You're probably feeling like, you know, are you finding it hard to get good staff? Or have you been, you know, losing people really, really quickly recently? What, mm. you know, what are the, the, the causes for that? So... Just to, just on that subject, do you think that um, some of some organisations which do have a high churn rate, if you yeah. like, um, do you think that? I mean, I'm not saying it's one person in particular, mm. but do you think people sort of think, well, the right people will stay and the wrong people will go, and if you're leaving, That's then that means point. you were the wrong person. Yeah, and there's that sort of stubborn, blinkered sort of attitude towards that. I've definitely been in organizations where it's a little bit like that. So I think it's a really good observation and it's a brave observation because, you know, sometimes it does happen that the people that make the decisions do put those glasses on and, and see things differently. Um, but I think that, you know, if companies really do want to survive, they're going to have mm. to start looking at this stuff now, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, that expression of culture eating strategy for breakfast is so right. You know, you can go into the right, you know, this amazing business, have great opportunities, get paid really well, but just be treated really unfairly, mm. not feel complete, 
not being best self, all those things. And it, it feels exhausting because, mm. um, you know, when we speak to people and say, right, so if you've experienced this and you've got, you know, low levels of psychological safety and you feel like you're being triggered constantly and you're in shadow behavior is therefore not giving your best self anyway, you know, how does it make you feel? And the way that I explain it based on what I, you know, I get back from that is it's like being, you know, on the stage all day. Mm. Like imagine having to remember all your lines all day, act a certain way, being a different character. Yeah. By the time you come off the stage at night, mm. exhausted. Well, yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, I know people say the world is a stage, mm. but getting on your feet and informing, being informative, being entertaining, yeah. that's what we do. Yeah. And we know that at the end of a day, we're knackered. And oh, yeah. if we've been out delivering and we've been sort of, inflow state yeah. and working That's it and, and state, like yeah, yeah 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 definitely so so we find that exhausting so imagine imagine having to act have, up all yeah, day. imagine yeah. having to put that smile and wave kind of scenario yeah. on or the opposite going into every single meeting feeling triggered walking into the staff canteen feeling you know not yourself um not having anyone to speak to in the business your colleagues feeling you know miserable um unfairly treated because mm. you know there's favoritism going on you know all those <clears> things just you know. just one of the things that you mentioned there going into a meeting and feeling triggered all the time yeah we had uh, many years ago we we were talking with an organization who uh, were basically preparing to um let a director go okay because he was a negative influencer and we were talking i mean this was an organization that 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 we were we worked with that didn't I suppose they didn't fully sort of embrace what we're talking about. They embraced what they, what suited their agenda, of course, and and sort of discarded the stuff that didn't suit their agenda. Mm. So they picked up on the fact that them about positive and negative influences, and and this person, well, every time he comes in a meeting, he's snappy, he's distracted, he's biting mm. people's heads off, and blah 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 blah. So he's a negative disruptor. So let's let's um, let's grease the let's grease the slope and get rid of him. Yeah. Actually, on our, when we were analysing it. He was getting triggered going into directors' meetings because there was no agenda, there was no yeah. official discussion, there was no examination, there was no, um, there was nothing apart from being a boys' club, comparing and contrasting cars and boats oh, and heli flying lessons and heli oh, and and this guy was getting so actually, <laughs> he wasn't really a negative disruptor. He was basically getting triggered because. He wanted to do stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, wanted to, he wanted to do what was right for the business, right? Yeah, so it's, we've got to sort of consider the perspectives, haven't we, and and, and, and who is what. And if yeah. you're getting triggered going into a meeting, um, why is that? Why is that? I always get people to reflect on that because when we're talking about triggers, I sort of say to people in the room, visualise someone, you know, that when you just put their face in your mind's eye, you get triggered and everyone laughs. And I'll say, but sometimes that is the reality, isn't it? You know, you've got that gremlin in there that's going, mm. yeah, you've had a few interactions with this human. Yeah. You don't like what they do. Mm. You don't like what they stand for. Their values are not your values, all those things. Therefore, before you even get there, yeah. you're in that state, aren't you? And that's yeah. what we're trying to avoid. So we're sort of advising people to kind of get to know other humans and, and get the best from them. And the reality is that that doesn't always happen, which leads to this toxic five. Mm. But the reality is that toxic culture is by far the strongest predictor of attrition. 10 times more important than all those compensatory aspects. So all the nice stuff that goes on in a business. Yeah. So, you know, it's important that we do think about this. So should we look, should we look at this top five so people yeah, can yeah, know where to yeah. look? Yeah, all let's right. do that. So remember it was a load of topics grouped into like, you know, 
sort of shorter, more snappy topics, similar kind of wording and explanations. Yeah. And there's a lot more in the report, guys. So that's why I'm kind of leaving you to kind of do a deep (laughs) dive of it or else like me and Spence would be here for three hours. Yeah. But the top thing was disrespectful. Yeah. Disrespectful behavior, Mm -hmm. you know, and how people feel um, in the business, which I guess, again, rings true to what we're saying there, doesn't it? Yeah. That was the, you know, one of the most important things was that how they were made to feel, Mm. you know, felt like, you know, not a vital cog, the mm. way they were spoken to, the way they were treated, which I think is, you know, quite prevalent, let's be honest. Yeah. And the second one was non-inclusive, okay? Mm-hmm. Now that encompasses everything that we talk about, inclusivity, um, you know, all the way from the more obvious stuff, all the way down to just people feeling like they weren't included in things. Yeah. Um, so on the bigger scale, it's all the LB, GT, yeah, and all that sort of stuff, and mm. also all the way down to people who just did not feel connected with that organization yeah. and felt almost isolated. Um, the next one was, was unethical. Unethical. So, you know, people are feeling a lot stronger about situations now. And if they feel that they're not connected with that, then this was, you know, one big reason that they would move on from a business, you know, mm. even if it's just elements of that business that they don't connect with. And we know from like millennials and Gen Zs, they're more likely to take a stand on those things, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, so that's important. Cutthroat. Okay. Backstabbing, mm. negative behavior, all the stuff we talk about on yeah. our Lencioni days, you know, um, the little co- side conversations going on mm. and um, people just being very kind of straight down the middle with things. That was the fourth one. And then the last one was abusive. Oh, okay, that which sounds sound like a good. harsh word, right? It does, yeah. And this is, just to point this out, that's sustained behavior. It's not mm. just occurrences that, you know, oh, you know, my boss came in and had a bad day sort of thing. We're talking about sustained abuse within the workplace. Mm. So, that's disrespectful, non-inclusive, unethical, cutthroat, and abusive. They're the top five things that are indicators, mm. okay? Now, if you really wanted to dig down into that in your business, you could, right? Yeah. And the paper will definitely give you more information on mm. that. But the reality is, if we can look at that in more detail and consider how we can affect those things, yeah. essentially, you know, the maths and the connection is there. We yeah. can start to see where these toxic pockets are you know, popping up. This is not a place where you stick your fingers in your ears, no. you fit your blinkers and go, la, 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 that's not us, that doesn't apply to us. This is really, this is this is possibly the ultimate honesty exercise, isn't it? It sure is. And I think for anyone listening in now, you know, like I say, we'd love, love to dig into this in more detail. Um, but I would really recommend you kind of taking some time to look at the research um, and think about your toxicity levels. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. And, and you know what, Trace? I think we're going to come back on this because we've come to the end of the time. Yeah. So, Tracy Robertson, the uh, Toxic Five. Sounds like a band, <laughs> doesn't it? Yeah. Thanks, Tracy. See no you again worries. soon. Thank you.